Y'all ready? Get your book out. We're all going crazy. You don't have one? Well, then you should buy one. No, they, we got a few of them left. Listen, I got a hold of this book by Rick Renner, and um, I got to tell you guys something. I'm not very good at preaching on last day stuff, even though I better learn because we're here. But uh, he did make some statements in this book, and it's not, it's not really prompting me. It's just going along with what the Lord showed me. Again tonight, I'm going to be preaching on doctrine. Now, whenever I felt impressed to preach on doctrine, I got to, I got to thinking, that has got to be the, un, the most unsexy sermon I have ever done in my entire life. How boring can you get to preach on doctrines? But if there's one thing that's happened in the world today... And I'm going to do you a little preview here with you. When I got born again, um, I, I went to a church of Christ, got filled with the Holy Ghost in a church of Christ. The pastor had just been filled with the Spirit. Um, the, the, faith and, the faith and word movement had just really gotten going. There was no such thing as a faith and word church at all. There was assemblies of God, there were Baptists and different denominations. And one of the things that if you went to a denominational church, it was not hard to find out what they believed. It was not hard to find their doctrines because they were all written down. When the charismatic movement started, something strange happened in the body of Christ. The charismatics are made up of people from every denomination and like me, no denomination at all. Um, so people are coming in who we have, there is no headquarters, like the assemblies of God have headquarters, Baptists have headquarters, the charismatic renewal, there is no headquarters. There is nobody submitting to anybody. That's a, that's probably a negative, isn't it? Now for the ones of us that are Rhema guys, we have a company, and we run with them, and I think we run with a good bunch of guys, and so we are underneath Rama. so they watch over us and make sure that we stay straight in the whole nine yards, but the charismatic renewal has started producing some of the goofiest teachings that I have ever heard in my entire life, and the Bible said that in the last days, that would begin to happen. People will have itching ears and go wherever someone's itching and scratching their ears. We have gotten to the place where, we, where we're going to hear motivational sermons all the time and um, feel-good sermons. And so what's happened to doctrine is sort of been, it's sort of been not, not, not on purpose. It's just been shoved off to the side. Next week, I would like to do something in here. I'd like to come in here and preach what we believe. And I would like for you to take notes I want, when someone walks up and says, where do you go to church and what do y'all believe? I want you to answer them. I want you to know your Bible well enough to where you can open up and explain righteousness, faith. What is faith? What is faith? Is it a parachute on your back when you get sick, you pull it out and the way you get healed? It is not. There's a lot of stuff. There's just a lot of stuff that we, that we believe. And I want you to know that. I want you to know that there actually is a difference in churches other than their programs. They have a feeding program. People go there because they have a feeding program. That's the wrong reason to go to church. You know, but, but there's all kinds of stuff going on in the body of Christ today. And, um, and, and so it's, it's done in the name of, 
I have a pastor friend, and he has a very, very large church, and he's a Ramograd. I call him a, a backslidden Ramograd. Because he told me one day, he said, I don't think that God is upset if people are only getting saved in our churches. I said, well, he didn't tell us to go win converts. He told us to make disciples. Thank y'all. Come on, guys. And, and so all of this stuff, it, it sounds good to your ears. But it's not good. Because we've got kids growing up, and I've talked to the youth pastor, I've talked to Josh Brown, I said, you and I are going to sit down and start working on making sure that when these kids walk out of there and go to college, yes. they know how to read their Bible and what they believe. Yes. They, I, I, I'm tired of losing them to the world. And, and college is secular. It's extremely secular. And that's what y'all do is your business. We homeschooled the boys for that reason. We're also planning on starting a school here in this church. Because, because of what's going on in, in the world and what they're shoving down kids' throats. If you want your kids protected, you might want to get into church. And, of course, if you're a member, there's a great discount. If you're not. Now, this is Rick Renner in the, wor in the book called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in the World Going Crazy. Plus, I got a bunch of his books out there. He's very, very, very good writer. I want to read a couple of little things and we'll just kick off tonight. Although many recognize and appreciate multiple flavors of the charismatic movement, they nonetheless find it desirable and necessary to navigate to specific groups where they feel safe. I am an example of this and so am I. For I have found my place within a spiritual company who hold fast with a rock solid commitment to authority of scripture, to the moving of the Holy Ghost, biblical morality, and walking in integrity before God and men in the midst of all of this who demonstrate even common sense. Now, I'm going to say something to you about me as your pastor. You can, you can tell a lot about a person by who they run with. Now, I'm going to tell you the people Lisa and I run around with. We know Dr. Mary Frances Varallo. Um, Mark and Trina Hankins, um, Rama Bible Training Center. And so those are good company. And uh, we have a young lady here who's from Edwin Anderson's church. Edwin is on my board. Lisa's on the board. Tom Copeland is on the board. I'm on the board. And so, you know, we, we pull people off and put them on the board that, ha that are, that are like-minded. Plus, I submit myself to Rama. Our finances, our board, everything we do, we're underneath somebody. So I wanted y'all to know that. I don't want you to know that we're just another church out there, fly by the seat of our pants, that I own the building and I own everything and I'm going to sell it and pocket the money and all that. I'm not going to do it. Amen. So I just kind of thought y'all ought to know that. But I think, I think, it's, I think it's time that uh, pastors come back to the word. Now, I'm going to read one more thing to you, and then we're going to get on a, on a subject. The present-day state of affairs in the charismatic church worldwide is not what God wants. It proves overwhelming need for sound doctrine, solid Bible teaching. It also emphasizes the urgent needs for those who are part of the charismatic church to keep our heads screwed on straight during the last time of the end-time church. Because we've gotten to where even, I mean, even me... I listen to stuff on TV, and I'd say, I'm not, I'm not anti-TV, I can guarantee you that. I, I thank God for the television um, and the preachers on there. 
But you know, but but not. But sometimes something's true, but it's not the whole truth. There's a church in Atlanta, and this sounds good, and uh, and we've got people that go to this church that came out of the um, homosexual lifestyle, and we've we've had people come in and get delivered. I didn't tell you who they were. We had a man came in who was a Satanist homosexual. Uh, Satan would levitate him in his bed at night, levitate him in his room. And he came to me and says, um, can you help me? I said, absolutely. And Lisa and I took him back there and got him born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. Not, not, not that difficult, dude. Just renounce the devil and he's still living for God. And so, you know, we just don't come out and tell you these things are happening. But, you know, to have, to say that everyone's welcome, it, it, everyone is welcome. But you need to understand that I'm not an evangelist and I'm a pastor. That means we're, 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 we're growing Christians. And the only way you can grow a Christian, Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth would set you free. So that means there's going to be certain truths, even you, even y'all will hear certain things I say and go, oh boy, I didn't like that a bit. Well, that's good for you. That is good for you because if, if, if not, you'd, you know, you'd be perfect. None of us are. I mean, I, I still change things in my own believing. You know, I, I, I keep learning. I learn more than I ever knew. So I'm, I said all of that to you to say um, it, it's not a bad thing that we're having to go back and relearn doctrine or relearn. It's, it, it sounds boring, but it's really basically just saying building your life on the truth of the Word of God, coming back to the Word of God. So anyway, having said that, I'm, I'm going to preach tonight. Uh, well, I don't even want to tell you the sermon title because I don't even want to see the reaction of you. It's probably up on the screen. Judgment. Who wants to hear about judgment? Are you serious? Now, believe it or not, and I'm glad you hollered and screamed because, you know, and, and the few of you jumped up and ran aisles and jumped pews. Because this is another subject that I have set, and I, and I want to talk to Rick Renner, and I want to talk to people one day, um, because we have words in our vocabulary we are interchanging them, guys. We're interchanging them. One of them is the word judgment. Um, the word condemnation and the word judgment are not the same word. And what's happening is on television, and I'm saying television because what's happening is these guys are preaching sermons and they're using judgment. You know, is God judging today? God doesn't judge anymore. God put all of our judgment on Jesus and because of that he's not judging anymore and all this. And, you're, and all it's doing is creating confusion because, because they're trying to use the word condemnation, but they're not using the word condemnation. So they're using the word judgment interchangeably with the word condemnation. And all that's going to do is, is create confusion. Okay. Here's another word that they use on television, relationship and fellowship. You can be in relationship with God and not be in fellowship with God. But they're, but, but they're constantly talking about your relationship with God, your relationship with God, your relationship. Your relationship with God is based on the blood of Jesus. Your fellowship with God is based on your walk with God. Relationship is God's gift to you. Fellowship is your gift to God. And not everybody who's born again in relationship with God is in fellowship. And if you think I'm lying, look at your spouse and, and, and just say, remind me of the last time that we broke fellowship. 
And don't tell me it's never happened. That doesn't mean you stopped being married, but it did mean you probably slept in the other room for the night or didn't get dinner or whatever. <laughs> and, and you know what? When you marry someone that uh, was raised different from you, uh, I'm going to tell you a little secret. There will be conflict. Yay. Amen. Amen. You have to come back for that one. Go to Hebrews chapter 6 and let's start. So, so there's a lot of these words that we are, what we're doing is that we have, we have one word. And we're trying, it's really two words, but we have one word. It just creates, it just creates confusion in people. And so I'm going to try my best to teach you the difference what do you do when someone looks at you and says, well, all judgment was put on Jesus? Right. Does God judge? Yes. Is he mad? No. Well, you know, there's a sign on the side of the road, and it, and I, it makes me mad. And I'm going to tell you this, and you're going to learn a little something tonight. God's not angry. Can I ask you a question? What does that matter? If you're a sinner and he's not angry, you're still going to hell. Whether he's angry or not is irrelevant. What a dumb thing to put on a sign. God's not angry. I'm glad. And they just go on down the road and go to hell. Well, and, I, and I see that kind of stuff and go, that's absolutely a stupid sign for a church to put up on the side of the road. So these are things that we need. And, and don't tell me he don't get angry because I. He's been mad at me. <laughs> I've had him chew me out many, many times. So I've, I've seen him get mad. So, so having said that, I want to I try my best to start getting some of this confusion and fog out of our life. Of course, the truth will set us free. Hebrews 6.1. Um, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let's go on to perfection. That word in the Greek is maturity. Believe it or not, you can become like Jesus this side of heaven. Did you know that? Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith towards God. Did you know faith towards God is, is milk? The doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. This we will do if God permits. So he's saying here that there is a doctrine. An early church had a doctrine of eternal judgment. Now, because this subject is so controversial, I wanted to do a, a, a whole night on it, on what it is and, and what it ain't. So 2 Peter chapter 3, um, let's go on over there and talk about the judgments of God. The, the, I think the thing that we need to talk about is there is going to be one. And, um, and, the, and the world right now is oblivious to it. Now, I'm going to get ahead of myself, and I want to I get way ahead of myself for a minute. The word condemnation means you're damned. I'm not cussing. That's what it means. It means damn, con, with, damnation means damnation. It means with damnation. All right. If Tanya pulls you over, takes you to the electric chair. I'm picking on Tanya tonight. This is Tanya night. That's condemnation. 
Or if she pulls out her Glock and boom, pops you, you're, and you die. She condemned you. That's damnation right there. You got damned. But if she gives you a ticket, that's judgment. So I want to say something because I'll, if this one statement, if you don't remember anything but this one statement, listen, understand this. If we don't have rules and ramifications, this nation would be a mess. Now let's think for a minute because how many of y'all have ever gone to another country and driven? Guatemala, Honduras, India, are you serious, Africa? When you drive up to a traffic light, you know what that means? Nothing. It don't mean a thing. There's 27 cars at one traffic light, and, and I mean, it's like, meh, meh, hog, hog, wah, wah, wah. I mean, it's, and yet that's mass confusion. It's slowing traffic down because they have no laws, and there is no payment when you break the law. Am I right? So are laws good? Yes, they are. When a child is raised right, right, correctly, disciplined correctly, always fire them up. On the backside for rebellion. But don't you ever whip them for mistakes. Spill the milk, make them clean the milk up. If they tell you to shut up, tear it apart. It's real simple. Now, let's go back to this. Where there is no law and there is no ramifications, then why would you keep the law? Why, why would you care? So what happens when, there, when the doctrine of there is no judgment? What happens is you have a church full of people who are doing dang well what they dang well want to when they dang well want to do it. And I just described America. And it's the, this doctrine is creating the most goofy Christians. Because, because uh, if you want to know how to spell that Greek word, it's D-A-N-G. It's southern word, it's southern word, y'all. So did y'all understand that? Do you understand that concept? The, now, I'm going to tell you something, even though y'all think I am a loving, kind, wise old pastor, I really do do the speed limit for one reason. I do not like share revenue coupons. Well, because I'm a grace preacher, I think 55 is really 58. Y'all, anybody else in here, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You're kind of riding down the road, it's 55. That little sign up there says 50, 45 on the road up here. And if you're doing 46, it goes, slow down. I want to shoot it. Boom, boom, put it back. But I'm looking for Tanya. Where's Tanya? I'm going to shoot her sign. So, but, but what would happen, but, but, but because I don't want to pay, I obey. Amen. All right. What's happening, what's happening in America right now you're saved and it don't matter what you do. What do you think's happening? We got a generation living like hell and saying they're Christians. Don't we? We created it from pulpit. Try, oh, he's good. Oh, he's good. God is good. Oh. Listen, I've met the mayor. He's good. The chief police is good. I mean, he'll, he'll write a ticket smiling. But he'll write you a ticket. And so will God. If you're a born-again Christian, God will judge you. But instead of using the word judge, why don't we just use the word chasten? Or he will correct you. And he will. And he will also allow you to eat the fruit 
of your own stupidity. Sometimes. Because he's a good God. Now there's where the word judgment comes in. Because God will judge you. But as far as condemnation, is he sending you to hell? No, he's not going to condemn you, but they're not the same word. So let's go over here to 2 Peter chapter 3. Beloved, now I write to you this second epistle on which I stir up your pure minds by way of of reminder, that you be mindful of the words which were spoken by the holy prophets and the commandments to us, the apostles, the Lord and Savior, knowing this, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, the earth stood out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire. Now, let me say something. All that you're watching on television and the internet that's going on in America today, there is a day coming that God's going to ship them to hell. There is a judgment day on the planet coming that God is going to catch his church out and he is going to give them everything they deserve. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? And I don't care how much food you stored up and how many bullets you got, it ain't going to matter. I don't have the time to do it tonight, but there is a scripture that says every island will be, there, was, there will be an earthquake that will shake every square inch of this planet. And it says the whole earth will be burned. Just like the flood, rowboat, raft, I don't think so. Because during the flood was a tsunami. There were tsunamis happening. This was not just pitter-patter on your windshield. The, the earth broke up from beneath and above, and it was, it was catastrophic. That's why the boat was built the way it was. I, I watched a documentary one time, on, and they rebuilt the boat, and they put it in a massive wave pool, and you couldn't flip it. However God told him to design it, it was a perfect boat that could not be flipped. No matter what you put it through. And the, and the stuff that happened, it got put through it. And by the way, the elephants were babies. Come on, y'all. Everything was babies. They did not have full bore giraffes with their heads sticking out of the top of it. like in the, They were baby giraffes and baby rhinos and baby rabbits. And of course, they had... Seven rabbits come on board and 89 or 8,000 of them left. If you didn't get that, you've never seen anybody raise rabbits. You have no idea what I just said. Rabbits make rabbits faster than the eagles can eat them. I can tell you that. But now the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this thing. The Lord one day is a thousand years, a thousand years as a day. But the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any would perish, but all would come to repentance. Now, God, what is he waiting on? He's waiting on people to repent and come. He's waiting on the harvest. There's still people to get saved. And that's all he's waiting on right now. This, he's not trying to preserve this earth for you. You can do all you want to and save all the straws you want. But it doesn't matter. The earth is going to be destroyed. 
the spotted owl and all of the other stuff that people are trying to save is absolutely a waste of time. But there is a judgment day coming. So why, are, why is it that people are not coming to Jesus in droves? Because they don't see judgment coming. They don't even know there is a judgment coming. They hear about it, but not from the church. They're not hearing from the pulpits. One of the things that I found out a long time ago, if you preach a sermon they don't like, they vote. And they don't come back. Now, I'm not saying that I'm tickling your ears. But I'm going to tell you something. I can get up here and preach on judgment day. And it'll thin this church. Not, not that, because all of y'all are Christians like, <laughs> make me feel good. But yet, the younger generation might need a sermon or two on judgment day. It's something you need to think about. I said this one time, and I'm going to say it again. I live every day of my life with a realization that whatever I do today, I'm going to stand before God and give an account. And you should too. And I think that helps me with the way I live my life. I wish everybody lived their life that way. All right, let's look at another one. Jude 1. Book of Jude. I love the book of Jude. Jude starts out, and I think I did this in a, in a previous message, but I want to read it again. Verse 3. 1, 3, there's no chapter 1, it's all chapter 1. Beloved, while I was diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith. And that's because the faith, there was preachers coming in and, and perverting the, the message that Paul was preaching, who was once delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Notice the word condemnation, not judgment condemnation. Ungodly men who have turned the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and Lord Jesus Christ. These are guys preaching in churches and turning um, Christianity into a do what you want to. I want to remind you though that you once knew this, the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who didn't believe. The angels who didn't even keep their proper domain, he left their abode and reserved in everlasting chains under the darkness of judgment of the great day, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner, having given themselves to sexual immorality and going after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, I want you to look at this because the Bible talks a lot about the last day judgment. Now, as much as we want to talk about the goodness of God, the Bible says that we believe in the goodness and severity. He's still God. And he's still a righteous God. And he's a holy God. Now, because of his, because of his great love, his great love forced him to take the object of his love, you and me, and to make a way out. But I don't want you to think that he's playing a game with you. Your sin killed Jesus, and you're going to receive the, the gift, and he's going to be Lord, or you're going to stand before a holy, righteous, angry God because of your rejection of Jesus. Now, now a lot of people, now I'm saying that because we have this sugar daddy in the sky mentality. There's a scripture in Malachi that says, you give men honor, where's mine? 
We've created a dishonorable society when it comes to church, when it comes to the things of God. We're flippant with it, very flippant. It's just like, well, whatever. Well, it, it was your, your salvation was expensive. It would be nice if you appreciated it and acted so. Thank you, Father. Now, from this day forward, you, you gave me Jesus. I have given you me. I will do everything in my power to live up to that. I belong to you. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. And I appreciate all that you've done. And I thank you that you've made me righteous. And now, what is it you want me to do, sir? Amen. Amen. So there needs to be a lot more reverence and respect. And we call that the fear of God. Well, you know, that's another camp. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. It isn't really. Go to John 3.16. Let's talk about condemnation now. The word condemnation means to literally um, do away with a person. Um, Cast them out. It literally is the word damnation. You're damned. John 3.16, and I think every every Christian Christian on this planet should literally memorize 316 through 21 and be able to quote it. And, and sh- if you want to get someone saved, this is, the, this is the right way to do it. So I'm going to read John 316 through 21. Let's go. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have zoe, everlasting life. For God did not send his son, I'm saying Jesus, into the world to condemn the world. Because if he had, everybody was was a sinner, right? But the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. He who believes in him is condemned when? Already. Now here's where the world and the body of Christ haven't, have not reconciled. Satan's judged. And you've heard me, you heard me say this Sunday morning and you need to know this. In the legal mind of God, there's only two races on the earth. There's Adam's race and there's Jesus' race. You're in one family or the other. If you're in Adam's race, then the, the problems you're having in life are because you're already damned. I mean, you, you need to look at your family and when they walk up, and I'm, and I'm going to say this, and I'm, don't, if you're religious, don't, don't lose it. Well, damn you. Well, damn, where's the damn coffee? Well, 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 damn it to hell. What the damn? If y'all want to hang around sinners long, why is everything damn? Out of the abundance of their heart, what? Mouth is speaking. The, if, you're a, if you're a sinner, you are under condemnation now. Not when you die. You're already without God and no hope. You are hopeless without God and damned right this minute. Our job is to go out there into their world and love on them like Jesus did us when we were damned and care for them, but don't compromise the word, don't back off and share Jesus, shed some light and pray for them and get them out of that judgment through the blood of Jesus. Not hard, that's called, that's called one-on-one evangelism, call it anything you want to. 
I don't believe in knocking on doors, but at work, you ought to be sharing with people and loving people and baking cookies and being a light. And I'll tell you, they'll ask you about Jesus and you can get the people you work with born again. God loves them. He loves them. He hates what they do and they are damned. And if they continue, they're damned. Why? Why are they, why are they damned? We're going to read it. Are you, are you listening? Let's go. He that believes is not condemned. He that does not believe is damned now, right now, right now, right now, right now, because he smokes dope, drinks beer, and has earrings, and because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The only thing separating him from eternal life is Jesus. This is the damnation. Light came in the world, and they loved their sin more. They love sin more than God. So what are you going to do with a Christian who loves sin more than God? It's not a good, it's not, that's not good, guys. First of all, you're not a sinner. I'll guarantee you one thing, and I'm going I'm to do this one Sunday. The most miserable human being on this planet is a sinning saint. I was, my friend, um, uh, we, Lisa and I have been talking to Richard Bennett lately, um, Gray Bennett's brother. But, but Gray, went, Gray went to the crusade about a month after I did. I went back to the same crusade because he wanted to get me out of the mess I had gotten myself into when I got born again. He thought, well, they're just ripping my friend off. Well, I'm going to go up there and, you know, we're going to fix this. Well, he got saved. But he didn't do anything with it. And I went to his house one day, and um, he had diabetes. And... Um, the type that'll kill you, the type one. And, and um, took the insulin shots every day. And he'd always been afraid he would die at 40. And, and the Lord spoke to him audibly in his mobile home. I mean, audibly. And said, Gray, get it together now. Scared the ever-loving heebie-jeebies out of Gray. And so I was down here and the Lord said to me, why don't you go to Georgia and go hunting? I'm thinking big buck. Right? I mean, God says go hunting. Yeah, yeah. I shot a spike. So at camp, I said, God, you brought me to Georgia for a spike? And Gray came down to the camp while I was breaking camp because I camped on his property. And uh, he's got a beautiful piece of land with lakes on it and, and catfish ponds and, and pear trees and apple trees. Beautiful place. Full of deer, full of game, but it's really pretty. So he comes down and he, and he pulls up a stump. That's what I use for sit-on. And uh, logs. And uh, he said, I got to talk to you. He said, I was in my mobile home the other day and the Lord spoke to me audibly. And he said, am I still saved? I said, are you miserable? He said, yes. I said, you are? He said, well, he told me to get it right. I said, well, let's get right. So from 40 to 50 years of age, he was on fire for God. Went to church every Sunday, quit smoking dope, drinking beer, raising hell. He stopped it all. I mean, he went out and bought a new pair of Sunday morning dockers, Sunday morning white T-shirt, a Sunday morning only red wing boots, Y'all don't know anything about rednecks, do you? You don't know nothing about no redneck. He'd get in his pickup truck and head on down to church with his Bible. But uh, just love Jesus. 
I hooked him up with Dwayne Sheriff, and he got all of his cassette tapes, which was free at the time, and Gray lived for Jesus until the day he died. And he was standing in the woods and just fell over dead at 50 years of age. But yet I said all of that to tell you that very often when you see Christians that are, that are, living, that are born again, they're just miserable. And if you're miserable, welcome to Backslidenville. Amen. I, I'm going to tell you all, I've, I've been there to where I wasn't obeying God. I was a miserable person. Okay, I just, I know that from, from my own life. Amen. So anyway, it says, everyone who practices evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds would be exposed. But he who does truth comes to the light, his deeds will be clearly seen that they're done in God. Amen. Now, now let's, let's go down to another scripture, Matthew 13 for a second. Let, we'll talk a little bit more about eternal judgment for just a second. So there is a day coming and the earth is gearing up for it right now. There's a, there's a mystery about the time we're living in. Is the Ezekiel War Armageddon or is it different? Could be the same. If it's before, it will set us up for the Antichrist. But we are, Jesus said when you see these signs, Israel becoming a nation, that generation will, will, will be the last generation. Generations 52 years. Jewish generations 52 years. So, and some people say it's 70. That's another mystery. So, so anyway, whatever it is, it's, it's real, real close. Okay, we're living in that time. So, um, so mm, Matthew 13, 36. And Jesus sent the multitude away and went in his house, and his disciples came and said, Explain to us the parable of the tares. And he said, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the son of the kingdom, and the tares are the son of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is the, is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, the tares are gathered and burned in fire, and it will be at the end of this age. And the Son of Man will send out his angels and gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness and cast them into the furnace of fire, and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth, and the righteous will shine forth as a son in the kingdom as Father has ears to hear, let him hear. But I said that because I want you to see that Jesus spoke a lot about judgment day. Now, I want to say something to y'all about preaching now. One of the reasons why we're not more successful at our altar calls, because we do altar calls, you don't get as many people saved. There's no reason to get saved if you don't have a problem. See, if you have the Goomby Goomby disease, and I tell you that I have a cure for the Goomba disease, you would look at me and say, I really don't give a rip. And I'd say, well, here's the problem. The Goomba disease, they always have a dot on your forehead 24 hours before you drop stone cold dead. And you might want to look in a mirror because you've got a dot on your forehead. Now she wants to know about <laughs> what I have. Because in 24 hours, she's going to drop dead. Do you all see that? Because we have no, we, we've no longer preached on what the law requires, this may shock you. The Ten Commandments are still good. You can't get born again by them. 
But it's still wrong to lie. It's still wrong to steal. It's still wrong to commit adultery. It's still wrong to murder an unborn baby and to vote for the sucker. You're as guilty of murder as the guy killing the kid. The government is not there to give you anything. And let me make a statement to you. If you think the government needs to give you something, you've admitted you're not intelligent. Well, that's heavy. Somebody better give me something. Well, ain't nobody gave me nothing. Well, I stirred up the mud then, didn't I? I mean, we're, this nation's in quite a mess. And you, in order for someone to get you, you so you're going to sell your soul to Satan? So someone will hand you a check because you don't want to get up and go to work? Well, I can't go to work. I'm old. No, you, you can work. You can believe for your healing. Never mind. Come on, folks. Come on. We, we, it's, it's time for us to, I mean, we, we have to start talking about some things. But it's wrong to murder. Just because you saved, well, it don't matter now. I I want you all to think about this. I'm going to give you a scenario, and you're going to think I've lost my mind. Well, on I-4 today, guy picked me off, and I shot him. I killed him. But, you know, it's under the blood. I mean, mean, how long would you come to church if I said that and I was serious? Not very. Well, I'm not under law. I'm saved by grace. Jesus bore my sins, took my sin. He bore it. How, how, how goofy does that sound? Then why, then why do you folks miss church and think that's okay? That's in the Ten Commandments too. You're breaking the law. <gasps> Breathe. Folks, listen, I mean, it's tough to come back and open the Bible and start preaching truth when you're around people who aren't living it. Most, most charismatic Christians are not living the word. They're not doing the word. They're mentally assenting to it, waiting on God to do something that he's already told you there's a criteria for you to get it. I, don't, I didn't treat... Um, Justin, when he was one, the same way I treat him now. God don't treat you the same way either. So now let's talk about judgment for a minute. Are you all ready? It says in Matthew 7, 1, judge not that you be not judged, but that's actually wrong because it means condemn not that you're not condemned. Don't go around condemning people, but judgment is not wrong. When you go to a restaurant and go, that food was terrible. That's judgment. All right, let's use another term for judgment. How many of y'all like ice skating? Don't y'all like to watch the ice skaters when they're out there? And the, I mean, it's so pretty. And they're out there and they're skating and you know they're going to do a triple axle, whatever that is. I can't imagine how that jump is an axle because I always think the back end of a truck. when she did, but. But you know they're going to flip up in the air and they're going to spin three times and you want them to nail it. You do not. She's worked all year and when she falls, her heart goes, oh God. 
Y'all know. And the numbers pop. Six, one, five, one. You know. If it's America, it's ten. It don't matter what she fell or not. You know. (laughs) What are they doing? They're judging her. They're not condemning her. They're judging her. God judges you. When you're not doing right, he will eventually put an end to it and begin to deal with you in judgment or correction based on what you need. If he didn't, you would be a messed up human being. And so would I. All right, now I'm going to do something here. Oh, okay, okay. I believe in visions, Kenneth E. Hagin. Can I read? I'm going to anyway. Say yes. yes. One of the things that I learned when I went to Ramah, Kenneth E. Hagin spent a lot of time with us talking to us about living right, about obedience to God. He drilled it into us for two straight years. If you're going to go obey God, if you're going to go out and serve God, you're going to obey God. And, you're, and, and the willing and the obedient will eat the good of the land. It's not just because you saved and throw some money in the offering plate. There comes a day when whatever you're doing, that wherever you are and you're not supposed to be, there comes a day God's going to start dealing with you on that. Okay, I'm going to read something to you. G- G- Kenneth Hagin is in the hospital, and he's never been sick, and he never... But he, he, he fell and hurt his elbow, and he's in the hospital. And he, um, and he said, I heard footsteps coming down the corridor toward my room. And I looked in the door to see who was coming to see, to see me. It was 6.30, too early for visitors. Someone dressed in white came to the door. I supposed to be a nurse. That, that shows that dates him, but doesn't it? Nurses used to wear white. And I looked closer, and it was Jesus. It seemed as if the hair stood up on, the, on its end. Cold chill, chill bumps popped out all over my body, and I, I couldn't say a word. Jesus approached my bed and sat down in a chair. He seemed, he, he seemed robed in white and had some sort of sandals on. Previously, when I saw him, he was barefooted. The Lord began a conversation by saying, I told you in the automobile the other night as you approached the hospital that your arm was not broken, that you have since learned that that is true. And I told you I'm going to talk to you about it later, and that's why I'm here. He goes on to explain some of that, and I don't want to read it. In my hospital room, the Lord reminded me of what he had told me of the night in the car on his way to the hospital. I told you that your arm was not broken, but you knocked your elbow out of place and had a slight fracture. I also told you that this is the devil's work, but that it would all work out for my glory and for your good. And I replied, yes, Lord, I haven't worried about it for a minute. I also knew that you told me, in fact, I've just been having a glorious time in the Lord. You're commended for taking me at my word, he said. Now, I'm going to say this to you. This happened to you, not because, because, not because it was my perfect will, for this is not my will at all. However, this happened because you got out of my perfect will into my permissive will and reminded me of the scripture, do not be conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you can prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I read somewhere in another translation, this verb reads, that you may prove what is good and permissive, perfect will of God. The word permissive in this translation is used instead of the word acceptable. The Lord explained that he permits people to do things that are not his will. For example, he said, it was not my will that Israel have a king. And I told him so. But they wanted to be like other nations. They kept clamoring for a king, and I gave them one. Some time ago, you were preaching at a convention of ministers, and you stated your ministry was a prophet and teacher. 
Now you've gotten into trouble because you have reversed the order and put your teaching ministry first and your prophetic ministry second. When you did that, you got out of my perfect will into my permissive will and opened the door for the devil to attack you. Now let's stop here for a minute. Even though you and I resist the devil and say, get off me in Jesus' name, are you willing to go back and say, Heavenly Father, how did I get this door open to begin with? Now, let's talk about Brother Hagin for a moment. Why would Jesus take the effort to go talk to Brother Hagin and not you? Because here's a man that he's going to use. He, now, Jesus appeared to Kenneth Hagin nine times physically in his life. This man single-handedly turned the whole church world into the faith movement and into the move of God we're in today. One man. Fred Price, Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Myers, Andrew Walmack, I don't care who you name, they were influenced by Kenneth Hagin and what he taught. And Jesus is making sure because he's about to die early. He can't afford this man to die early. He's got a movement to get going, so he is in the room talking to him. But I want you, but let's go on because I'm going to explain this to you in just a second. All right. You've gotten into trouble because you reversed the order and put teaching ministry first. If God calls you to be a prophet, you better be a prophet. Now, let me make another statement to you. That is the most unpopular office in the body. You, I, my card does not say Prophet Daryl Morgan. I wouldn't put that on my card if you paid me. I walked in a Rama meeting back when Edwin was the regional director. And I walked in the room and Jesus was sitting three chairs over in a chair. And a pastor had just looked at me and said, how's your church? I said, church doing good. I'm a faith man. What am I going to say? <laughs> Another one looked at me and said, how's your church going? I said, church is doing good. And then the third one said, how's your church? I said, church is doing good. I walked to the door and I turned and Jesus is sitting in a chair. He said, the question is irrelevant. They should be asking, how are you? Because the only way a church is going to do good is if the pastor's doing good. And I knew that the anointing to prophesy was on me, and I sat down. Why? Because that was back in the days where if you're a prophet, then you say you're a prophet, you're not a prophet. But if you're not a prophet, don't say you're a prophet. Nobody will know you're a prophet. And we went to Raymond, which is not a nonprofit, but a one-profit organization. Did y'all get that? In other words, it was cool to be a teacher, and it was cool to be a pastor, and it was cool to be an evangelist, but don't be a prophet. You're that nobody, and, and I'm going to tell you something right now. If you think that's cute, it is not when you have to walk in and say something, and everybody don't agree. And God goes, you go tell them this. I went, you're going to get me killed. Yeah, well, don't worry. I died on the cross, too, and they're going to nail you, too. You know, it was, and I, and I can tell you, I won't say hundreds, that's exaggerating. I can tell you a lot of stories about the Lord saying, I want you to say this to this person. Now, now the hardest office to stand in is pastor prophet. It is the most, because it's compassion, correction in one bag. Ooh, you have to smile when you're telling everybody to straighten up. Now, one of the things prophets do, whether you know it or not, is always bringing the body of Christ back to the Word. It's not always prophesying. 
Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. And it's not fun. Being a prophet is not fun. There's things I don't want to know. And I do. Wait till you have to walk up to a guy that has 3,000 member church and tell him straighten up. Who are you? You heard me. Never mind, I could go on tonight. That's not my sermon. So anyway, I told Edwin, I sat down. I said, God, I ain't prophesying. You're going to make a way for me to give this message without thus says the Lord in this place. So we went to the table and Edwin said, has the Lord showed you anything? I said, well, you know, I had this thought running through my mind. <laughs> I didn't tell him what I saw. I didn't tell him nothing. I just said, have y'all ever wondered when we ask each other, how's your church? We should be saying, how are you doing? And they all went, yeah. That's a nice way to prophesy, isn't it? <laughs> all right, now listen to this. When you did that, you got out of my perfect will and my permissive will, and you opened the door for the devil. You might ask, if I knew that you were going to fall and hurt your arm, why didn't I prevent it? I could have, but I didn't want to. Instead of your being angry with me for not preventing it, you should be glad I allowed that to happen to you. If I hadn't permitted Satan to do that and arrest your attention, you would not have lived past the age of 55 because you would have continued in my permissive will instead of my perfect will. Now, folks, listen to me. There is a life of obedience that goes with Christianity. Did y'all know that? That's not popular because I don't want you to feel condemned. So I'm going to tell a story. It's about a pastor and his son. It's just a pastor because I know a lot of pastors. This pastor related this story to me personally. He said, one night my son left, one afternoon my son left home in his car. And the father looked at him and said, you know your headlights don't work on your car. And he said, I know. He said, well, don't come home after dark. He said, so, so the son said to him, now oh, the police don't ever give me a ticket anyway. In other words, I'll do what I want to do. So the father got a phone call from a state trooper at 10 o'clock called the pastor and said, we have your son down here and his headlights don't work. And the father said to the police, okay. He said, well, we're asking you come get him. And the father said, well, tell him to walk home. Is the father wrong? No, no he's not. And so the, the state trooper looked and said to the father, well, yeah, that's a, that's a long walk. And he said, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm aware of that. And so um, the, the young man called a relative and came and got him, and then he made his way home the next day. Now, sometimes we, we think things are harsh. They're not harsh. If, you're, if there is no ramification wrong, you're not going to learn anything. And, and, and so do you think God is any different than that? There are things that he's ignoring you because you're ignoring him. And you can pray. There's a scripture that says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he'll lift you up. Yes. But, it, but he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Sometimes judgment is nothing more than you're coming to God and asking something, and he's just ignoring you. 
Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. I think we need to talk about this a little more. There's a lot of stuff going on. You're coming up and getting prayed for and you're falling down, falling down, falling down, falling down sick. And you're still sick and six months later you're still sick. Why don't you go home and start talking to God and find out what in the Sam Hill is going on in your life. I mean, it might not be that you're bad. Brother Hagin wasn't being bad. But he was, he was about to mess up a whole move of God just because he's uncomfortable being a prophet. Now, there's a lot of things he's asked us to do. I'm going to tell you one more story. i got a little time. When I got born again, I wanted to be an evangelist. And, and you all know that my Christianity cost me my first marriage. You all know that. She says, I don't want to be married to no preacher. I want to be married to a businessman. I want you to go make money like a real man. Well, if you're called to God, you're going to obey God or you're just not, you're just, you might as well just shoot yourself right now. Because the call don't lift just because you're out making money. So that created a problem. So now we go through a divorce. You know, there was more to it than that. And I marry Lisa. Well, I'm working a job laying block every day. I'm working construction. Now, I've been to Rama. I've got a call of God on my life. I'm anointed. And this is when I was miserable. And I'm driving down the road in my little Toyota pickup truck. And the Lord says to me, when are you going to do what I say? I said, well, what do you want me to do? He said, I'm not going to tell you until you tell me you'll do it. And I said, well, I don't know what you're going to tell me to do. I might not want to do it. Now, was, now that's, that's called stubborn. Well, you would think that I was, you know, oh, Lord, I mean, I, you know, I lost a family. But he didn't care. There's a whole church that needs to get started. There's a, there's a church in Apopka that needs you to get on your face and get right with God. I, I got things for you to do, son. Amen. Now, here's the thing that scared me. I was afraid he would ask me to pastor. <laughs> do you know why? Because people are not easy to deal with. I mean, I mean, they're just not. They're just, they're sheep. You know, do, you know what, do you know what a barn looks like when cattle are in it? It's messy. And that's basically church. Well, you leave and I have to shovel for hours. But people are messy. And I didn't believe that I had what it took. I, it, the whole thing scared me. I thought if I was an evangelist, I could pr go in and preach Jesus, he loves you, and leave. <laughs> what a wonderful job. Now, at the time, I was in the Bahamas. Now, get, get this. Flying airplanes, fishing with a spear in the morning, preaching the gospel at night. That's the perfect will of God. <laughs> I'm eating lobster every day. Grouper every day, swimming in the ocean every day, flying airplanes and getting people saved. This is God. And I remembered that little lady right there, Melanie Hayward, was there when we were in Haiti on the island of Laganov. And what was the little girl you had with you, little Bonnie? And the Lord says, when you get home, they're going to ask you to take that church. You are the next pastor. I went, oh, Jesus. I thought Jesus died for all my sins. Don't do that. No. But at that day, that day in my truck, I said to the Lord, I said, I'm afraid. You know, you and I, boy, I'm, 
there's a fellowship with God. There's a, there's a life that goes with this. And if you're in the permissive will of God, yeah, things aren't going to work right. It's not just I'm saved. A little bit more to this than that. That's why I tell people all the time, you better pray about where you go and what you do. There's men. I, I've got, we've got pastor friends. We've got people. I, I've got friends that are no longer alive. 40 years old, 50 years old, 30 years old. Had a boy in our youth group. And he, he, he started dating this little hot thing. She wasn't a Christian. I said, that, that, don't, that, don't do that. Don't do that. He said, man, we in love. I said, no, that's called lust. Short shorts and a halter top's not love. It is when you're 21, though. <laughs> that's the woman right there. That's, she's the one. That's God. All right. So, you know, I mean, you do your best and tell them, you tell them every, you tell them, you, you talk to them, you minister to them. Well, this story doesn't come out good. He went and bought him a rifle and was shooting it in his garage. Well, his wife got tired of the noise, called cops. He stepped out on the front porch with an AR and they shot him. Stone cold dead. Early 20s. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? You know, there's, there's more to this than... Come to Jesus, he loves you, this I know. There's an obedience that goes with it. Is there judgment? Yeah, there is judgment. But what is judgment? Judgment is good for you. You, If you're judged, you're, you should be happy. Thank you for loving me enough to not let me go do my own thing the way I want to do it. Amen. And yet, and yet, oh, okay. So today we're hearing, you know, God, all judgment went on Jesus. All condemnation went on Jesus, but all judgment did not. I'm going to make one more statement because I'm out of time. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is talking to the churches. How many of the churches did he say to them, if you don't straighten up and repent, I'm going to do so and so? What do you think that is? That's judgment. I'm going to pull, you, I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull the anointing right off of you. If you don't straighten up, come back to your first love. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'm tired of this. And he started correcting people in churches. Folks, he hasn't changed. So one of the big messes going on in America today is all judgment went on Jesus, and it doesn't matter how you live. I was going to read this out of the book, going crazy, and I'm not going to do it. I don't have time. But one of the, one of the teachings that was very prominent during Paul's time, and he wrote a lot about it in, in the Bible, that because I'm a spirit, I'm perfect, and how I live is irrelative. That's Gnosticism. That's wrong. You, you are a spirit and you are a new creation and it does matter how you live. How you let the other two-thirds of you live. Okay, because there may come a day when God may begin to deal with you to get you to turn. Now, does that mean every time something goes wrong, it's God? It's, no, no, you know that. Because Paul never was in the will of God, was he? Some things are clearly the devil. And some things are not. And you're the one that has to determine that. Amen? Amen. So, does God judge? Yes. Is there a judgment day? Yes. There is. Should we, how should we live then? Well, I think we should live right. Yes. To the best of your ability. So what is God looking at if your life isn't perfect? He's looking at your heart. Yes. 
If you're shooting at the bullseye and missing, he knows it. Don't just shoot it. Just don't shoot anywhere and thinking it's okay. I'm just a bad shot. No, you're not. You're shooting at that bull. You're doing everything you can to hit it and you're missing. There's grace for that. Well, it's quiet in this church. You know, somebody want to sing just as I am. These are tough subjects, aren't they? They're good for us, aren't they? Father God, I want to thank you for the night. And I, I, I pray that the message that I felt led in my heart to minister came across right. But Father God, there's a, there's a lot of things that the church needs to begin to, to change and make amends. I know many of us in this room, I know even my own self, you've been dealing with me lately about certain things you want me to adjust and, and, and straighten them up. And all of us should be. And when they're not, then, then there's our joy is gone and there's a lot of things that happen and, and, and we can't explain it. It might be time to just repent and turn around. And Father God, there is a day that judgment is coming. Thank you that there is no condemnation on us, that you took that condemnation. I appreciate that. Thank you that there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Jesus bore it. But Father God, pray that we live our life in such a way that it pleases you and honors you. And if anybody in the room tonight is experiencing what I've been preaching on, I'm going to ask you to give them the grace right now to turn around and to start making adjustments in their life and come back to their first love. And we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.